Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Exodus chapter 9, and I am just loving these uh, going through these plague sequences here. I mean, it, there's just so much there, and there are all these stories that we think we've heard, and, uh, you know, the, the, oh, yeah, we liked that, you know, you know, Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go and all this. But it's so amazing how much depth there is. And really, when you take a look at it closely, just how many things we just miss all the time. And today is a really good example of that. In Exodus chapter 9, this is one of these moments where when you take a close look at it, uh, people start to say, oh, well, this is clearly evidence that people have shuffled around the order of things. And um, you know, they, they added this and they took away that. And, and this is where you kind of get this in terms of the commentaries. And they'll say that this this thing doesn't really belong here. Uh, but is there another way to sort this out? And, and of course, here's I'll just kind of here's the, the big one here. If all the Egyptian livestock die in this plague, then what Egyptian livestock are around to get boils or to die in the hailstorm afterwards? So there, there's the question here. You can start chewing on that one. Today, as our guest, we have returning, we've got Pastor Chris Mathis, pastor at Epiphany Lutheran Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Good morning, brother. Good to have you again with us. How are the brothers and sisters doing in Castle Rock? We're doing great. We're back to in-person worship for the third weekend in a row coming up, and all it's right. uh, we're enjoying one of those 300 days of sunshine a year in Colorado. <laughs> very good. Well, I'm very happy to hear that you guys are back together. Uh, so, so then your first one back was uh, Pentecost. That's what we did as well. Yeah, it's, it was fantastic. Praise God. Yeah, it, it really lined up very nicely uh, that, you know, just, I mean, on Pentecost, right? Just you look at the account, right? There they all are, all together. Um, but, you know, they, they've been scared, they've been uncertain, you know, and then they are made bold. And, oh, well, you know, it's just amazing. God's providence and all these things. You, just, you couldn't plan it. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, you, you think about Pentecost, you think of... Um, uh, plagues, right? And uh, this is the kind of stuff that you've got going on here in Exodus chapter 9. You know, you've got some kind of uh, plague. That, that's uh, the word that seems to get you some kind of, um, uh, you could even say epidemic or outbreak that kills right. the livestock. Um, the, the boils end up affecting people as well. Um, and it's really interesting when you get to that thing about the hail, there is this... There's this question of like, well, are we going to side with Pharaoh or are we going to side with God? And, and, this, and it's really interesting how in this chapter in particular, that really starts to come to the fore about whose authority are you respecting? Do you fear, love, and trust in God above all things? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yes, very good. Very good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no. So there's 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 a lot here for us um, to make some connections. But yeah, quite a long chapter with a lot, as I was saying, a lot of questions just in terms of how do you just read this and understand basically how the story goes. So a lot of good things to be looking at today. So let's go ahead and uh, turn to the text as we start. Would you open us up with a prayer? Gracious God, Heavenly Father, uh, we love you and we praise you and we give thanks for, for this day. Lord, we ask that uh, you would be with all of your people around the world 
uh, and also uh, in our country. Um, as people go back to work and as people, uh, some folks are still being uh, careful at home, we ask, Lord, that you would bless them today with the hearing of your word, that your word would not return to you empty, but that it would accomplish the purpose you have for it, to bring about repentance and to create and sustain faith in our hearts in the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead, because I think that reading these three all together is going to really help us um, understand this, because I, I think that may, maybe actually a good reason why a lot of this has been misinterpreted has because we've isolated each of what we call the, the plagues without seeing the connections and seeing how they're, they're in some ways actually grouped together, I would say, in a couple of really key ways. But uh, before we go ahead and read this unit, uh, what, what are the things that we should be keeping in mind, recalling from what we've read before, and maybe you know themes or maybe some threads that we need to keep our, our ears open for? Well, certainly um, we have this, this repetition with some of the earlier plagues of Pharaoh hardening his heart. And we'll have a significant change in that wording in verse 12 um, when the Lord hardens his heart. So there's that um, piece of the story. Um, Also, I I think that it's important um, to keep in mind that the, the reason given for the exodus for the people of Israel to worship and serve the Lord uh, came up very early, um, even just in the last chapter, um, and, and almost right from the beginning, um, that the whole purpose of the Exodus um, is not just for the freedom of God's people, as wonderful as that is, but for them to have the freedom to uh, have right relationship and worship rightly um, Yahweh. So those are two of the things that really jumped out at me as I was preparing for today. Yeah, no, no, I I think all those big themes that we've been talking about, I I think they're all, they're still all here intact, the idea of, uh, you know, this is, this is all, I mean, you know, in the big picture, it's all according to God's plan for his overarching purpose here. This is just the next leg in the journey, but... Uh, an interesting one, as we will see. So let's turn to the text here, Exodus chapter 9, and and then we'll turn to some of these questions here. Exodus chapter 9 from the top. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all, the, so that, nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day, the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, but he did not let the people go. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air on the side of Pharaoh. 
It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and on beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning, present yourself before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself, and on your servants, and on your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exulting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter, for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such had never been in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned, the Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there is enough, there's been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall no longer stay. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants... I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Hmm. A lot, so so many things, so many things going on here. Um, you know, it, it's, it really is interesting how each of these chapters, though, chapter 8 we saw was was something of a transition point where 
I mean, we were seeing that there were, there was something that uh, there was this intensification going on. I think now you just you just see the intensity here, right? And uh, one one of my favorite lines is 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 right there, right before the hailstorm starts. That um, you know you get I don't, the Lord just makes this threat where he's just like, okay, I'm taking my gloves off, basically, right? Like you know, th- th- this time I'm coming for you. Um, like I was looking at it in in the Hebrew, and it's it's almost it's almost along the lines of like, okay, like y- y- you think this is something? Well, now I'm going to bring my carnage to your doorstep. You know, like yeah. it's you know, now 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 I'm coming for you. And um, I mean, and you see that, and and this is actually the first time actually in this chapter where I think you get the mention of people dying. Um, as a result of these plagues um, with with the hailstorm, so there's there's certainly an intensification here in this chapter. Yeah, and also the boils are the are the first time there's a direct impact on uh, people's persons. Prior to that, there certainly is, you know, discomfort and, um, but you know the like the actual you know turning to blood, the frogs they certainly were um, yeah. an inconvenience, a discomfort, but the boils is the first time that uh, their own per- that the the person of the people themselves is also touched, and then, yeah. um, and then they die in the next one. Well, yeah. Though I would say, uh, I think that if you asked my wife, she would say that the gnats or lice um, and flies would definitely be an assault on the person, and that she might prefer the boils. That's <laughs> <laughs> she's an MD, That's- right? <laughs> not an M- not an MD, but, but, but a, a, a scientist in in the, the biomedical uh, field, uh, broadly that's speaking. Right, that's but, right. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I. <laughs> but in, in, in any case, yeah, there there is this intensification, and uh, I, I mean the, the thing that we that we got to figure out though, right? As there's this intensification, is it, so so what's the point though because i don't think it's just that oh okay the, the the plagues are getting worse and i think that's that's there um but what's what's the message and and this is one of the chapters too where you get just so much of the explicit talking between pharaoh and moses right and like just mm-hmm. um you know moses just saying the stuff about his servants right and I mean, there's even almost like this. It's it almost feels like like God is almost trying to incite people to mutiny and say like, um, you know, hey, you know what? You should follow God and uh, listen to what Moses has to say and disregard what Pharaoh's saying. I, I mean, there's there's a theological message I think going on underneath the intensification, right? Well, certainly, and it's and and the plagues are also. Um, I don't know if you've ever encountered this book, but I, I encountered it about 20 years ago and have really been fascinated with it ever since. It's called Moses and the Gods of Egypt um, by John Davis. That's familiar. And, and, and essentially his um, thesis is the idea that each of the plagues is an attack yeah. on the supposed authority or domain of a particular Egyptian god. Yeah, and so that you know, it's showing. For example, you know, they had the sacred Apis bull, or Apis uh-huh. bull, that uh, yeah. you know, with the attack on the livestock and um, the 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 goddess of um, that had power to end epidemics, 
um, and and to bring healing, you know, obviously can bring an end to the boils and all of these different kinds of things. And so, um, you know, the idea that that not only is is Yahweh showing that He is, um, you know, preeminent among all gods, but He's also showing that the Egyptian gods are are nothing. They're worthless. They're empty. And they're completely powerless. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um, you know this this uh, this ongoing attack on the gods of Egypt, and ultimately, when you get to the last plague, right? It's an attack on Pharaoh, the god, supposed god Pharaoh, um, the son of Ra himself. <laughs> well, yeah, well, and and maybe even a little bit more um, than that. There's actually another god that I'm thinking about in connection to that last one. But yeah, no, I think I I broadly agree. I broadly agree with it. I, I don't. I don't know if, if if you can totally construct like piece by piece, um, you know, like a, a pantheon, especially the one that maybe is like ordered correctly. But like, I, I think that broadly, that is what's going on, and that's why you got this. I think the the snakes, right, and the frogs. I mean, those are things that are like, mm-hmm. yeah, to us, we're like that's awfully specific. <laughs> but we got to remember that you know, in those uh, in the Egyptian mythology and pantheon. Um, they were all represented in these uh, kind of anthrozoomorphic terms, if I can. Right. <laughs> like, you know, 20 letter words for, for 1000, Alex. Um, you know, these, these animal beast kind of hybrids. And so they'd have like, you know, like a human body and a, and a falcon head or, you know, like, a, you know, part of their body that was a, a bull or something like that. So, you know, things like, you know, snakes and frogs w- would have been kind of specific and meaningful in, in the Egyptian terms and it can especially like with snakes I mean that's like a, a, a very widely associated one that snakes were associated with wisdom and with healing like you think of um, just even today you think of like uh, you know what is it called like the staff of Esiklis? um that little like Asclepius Asclepius there you are yeah it's this the snake coiled around the staff which is like, supposed to be a symbol for healing right so I mean like there these are all like very live symbols and there there's certainly a message that the Egyptians are supposed to be getting and in this chapter the message is getting more and more explicit right and God's just kind of like hey guys um uh, so the plagues have been I've been trying to get your attention with this but in case you weren't getting the message you should be listening to me <laughs> and not and not Pharaoh or the magicians or your false gods Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's why I, you know, the, it, I, I made that reference to the, the first commandment earlier, you know, because yeah. ultimately, you know, um, like Luther says in the large catechism, what is a God? Well, whatever you put your hope and trust in and look to for all good, that is truly your God. And, um, and, and Yahweh wants to show that, um, you know, he, he, he can do his people, um, wonderfully with blessing and benefit the distinctions you know between the land of the egyptians and the land of goshen but also he can visit terrible punishment upon those who go against the people of god right well well ain't nobody gonna stop him (laughs) (laughs) no that no that that that's true and and there is um well, well, let, let's before we get too too far afield here. We only have a few minutes before the break. Let, let, let's go ahead and look look back on this in a little bit of detail, okay? Because in this fifth, so-called fifth plague, okay? Because we got 
uh, last time, uh, previous episode, I talked a little bit about how I'm not totally convinced that 10 is the number we're supposed to be getting to here. Um, we can talk a little bit more about that today. But so you got this first one in this chapter anyway, the plague against the Egyptian livestock. Um, you know, it's an official audience before Pharaoh. I think this is important. We skip over the word. It says go in. Um, this is like, you know, go into like Pharaoh's court. And so not mm-hmm. all of these have been that way. Um, in fact, if you if you kind of keep track of this stuff, um, this is, I think, the fourth time that this has happened. He goes in with Aaron once. Um, back in chapter 5, it gets rejected, and they have to start making bricks without being given straw. Um, they go in, and they do um, the, the sign of the snake in chapter 7. They go in again, and they perform the sign of the frogs in chapter 8. And now this is actually the fourth time that they're going in uh, to to confront Pharaoh here. And and so they, they do so, and you, you get this plague on the livestock that's announced. And you get all the different kinds, right? You know, a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. Wow, okay, so they're all named. And then, you know, it says, um, you know, where, where is it there, right? It's in... Uh, yeah, in verse 6, and the next day the Lord did this thing, and all the livestock of the Egyptians died. And so there there's, there was my question when I read this um, the first time, I mean, years ago. Like, now hang on a second. Um, if <laughs> the donkeys, the horses, the camels, uh, the, the cattle, the sheep, or the goats, if they all died, like, what's left for the boils and the hail and all the rest of this? Yeah. So, like, what, what, what do you make of that? Well, I, I think there could be... Um, a couple possibilities. Yeah. Um, the the one that I think is probably the easiest to imagine is that after the Egyptians' livestock was killed, they um, plundered their slaves <laughs> and hmm. stole their livestock. Um, hmm. So so that what you know it's that would be very um, in character, I think, for them. You know, mm-hmm. so they lose their stuff, they take it from the Hebrews again, and mm-hmm. then they got some for the next round. It, okay. I think it's also possible that these are actually, um, that maybe these plagues are synchronous, synchronous that there, a couple okay. of these maybe are taking place at the same time, and mm-hmm. that the statement that all the livestock of the Egyptians died might actually be um, more of a, a summary statement of what happens um you know, between okay. yeah, yeah, the yeah. two of these. So, okay. Um, well, yeah, I, I like, I, I mean, I like the, the line of thinking that, you, that you've got going on both of those. Cause I think, I think, especially with that last one, I think it's super important that we look at the text closely and figure out, okay, what's a summary statement, right? Like what's a flashback? What's a, and then this happened next. I mean, you, you gotta follow the steps here you, you got to be able to like draw like the flow chart here i think it's absolutely critical or else it's very easy to misunderstand things to say oh that's a contradiction and so forth so i think that that's super critical that last thing that you said um i mean and the first uh, and then the other things too i mean just that you know you can kind of group things together and that or that there might be kind of space between these things i think that's kind of made in some ways what your first point was there, you know there could be some distance a gap kind of in time and in that time, you know, people could have done things. They could have taken things. They could have, you know, like maybe all the, the 
baby livestock that were in the barn were were fine it was only the big ones that were out in the field that i mean so uh, so there's lots of different ways you know that and you kind of got to have some creativity and ask okay what does the text actually say and i think when you do that actually it's a very clear and unambiguous answer but it's time for a break so everybody uh (laughs) hang on we're looking at exodus chapter eight here on that nine on thy strong word be right back LCMS Disaster Response and Training provides guidance and counsel to congregations seeking to show mercy to their neighbors before, during, and after disasters. From congregation preparedness to equipping volunteers in our Lutheran Early Response Team training, we can help you engage your community, particularly those who are suffering in any way with the love of Christ. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, keyword LCMS Disaster Response, or visit our website at lcms.org forward slash disaster. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. On the next Moments of Assurance Weekend, I'll share thoughts about the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man who thought he had it all together until suddenly he died and went to Hades, and the poor man who never had it together here. When he died, he was in heaven. Join me for Moments of Assurance Weekend this Saturday and Sunday, 7.45 a.m., when I will contrast the two and apply it to you right here on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Friday on Issues Etc. We'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Listen and vote in advance at Facebook.com slash Issues ETC. The listener with the best vote wins the Lutheran Public Radio Bundle Package, an ad crew some pewter dove and shell baptismal keepsake, an Issues Etc. t-shirt, tote bag, pen, and bumper sticker. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 9 today. We're joined by our guest, Pastor Chris Mathis, pastor at Epiphany Lutheran Church in Castle Rock, Colorado, where, by God's grace, they've been able to resume in-person worship, of course, taking all the precautions uh, to make sure that the neighbor is not harmed. But also, uh, it would cause harm to the neighbor and to, uh, to all if the Word of God or not proclaimed. So thank you for your boldness and service there, brother. If you've got a question for me or Pastor Mathis, and I know there's a lot of questions that could be asked and not enough time to answer them all, but uh, go ahead, call in. Um, if you have any questions or comments, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Also email kfuo at kfuo.org, or assuming the live stream doesn't just... Uh, go sputter out on me here at facebook.com slash aj.espinosa. And if that ever does happen to you, of course, just go right back to kfuo.org um, and check it out there uh, or the podcast. So yeah, we were just talking about that. So uh, this question that we had, so, okay, if all the livestock die, then 
how does this work? <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think you raised a couple of really good possibilities that were, that were things that like I myself have, have considered. Um, and I think they're on the right track and I'll give you what I, my take on it here. So I, I was looking at the, the words here. Um, and, and I think it's really important to like, just be very careful and slow it way down when you're looking at this stuff. Okay. What yeah. actually dies? So it says, right, in verse 3, uh, Behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field. Pause right there. This is, uh, <laughs> this is really interesting because actually what, there's a bunch of words um, for hardening of his heart. It's not the same word every time, even though it gets mm. translated the same way every time. Like different roots, not even just different forms of the roots. Um, one of the roots, though, is make heavy. And it's very interesting how often the word heavy occurs in connection to the plagues. So literally, it says here um, that a very heavy plague is about to fall. You know, so heavy things fall, right? So th- this is that, that's that's going to be something that we need to talk about when we talk about the the hardening of the heart, or is it is it really hardening? Um, so yeah, so he says that, and it says the livestock that are in the field, and then you have a list. The horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks, and this is, I think, actually the the first instance where we probably are already misunderstanding what's being said, and it happens like just just so so quickly you just don't even realize it. Um, but what you have there, in some ways, you almost you almost need a colon um, that it really should say here, um, you know, like all your livestock. Your your kind of field your field animals like basically mm-hmm. is what it, what I ought to say you're like all your field animals colon horses donkeys camels herds and and, and like the the importance of that's twofold um, one uh, we have a list of types of animals right like so each of those words when it comes up is referring to uh, a type a kind. Right, so these are the different varieties. Um, also, um, the other thing to note is that even though in the English there's all this um, the that you have, there are no articles, there are no the on any of these. So that, that, this is a little bit of a thing that uh, in English, where we're, it's like you imagine like we're talking about all these things over here, and these things are all going to die. But that's not what's actually being said in Hebrew. What's being said in Hebrew is like, um, yeah, I'm going to strike your field animals. And that includes horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, uh, sheep, goats. Okay. So that's kind of like the first hint about the the little bit of the language. And then the next thing that pops up then is then when you actually have it right there in in 6, in verse 6. And this is like just key for multiple reasons here. Uh, then it says here, um, and uh, it's like in Hebrew, it's like, and died every, and that's, that's pretty interesting, um, every uh, Egyptian field animal, every Egyptian livestock. Um, it does not actually say the Egyptians. It does not say the livestock, again. Um, and then it lists... Um, it, and, and it goes on and it just says here, um, it doesn't actually like, okay, right. So that, that's not the thing. It, it's then it goes and it says in the next bit, um, and then also 
than the livestock field animal of the Egyptians, uh, not one died. So mm-hmm. by doing that, basically what we're talking about is that every kind of animal died. So there was not a kind of animal that was exempt. This is like if I were to say, uh, just as a terrible example, but if I said, like, let's say there was, a, there was a, some kind of calamity or disaster, and I said, you know, and every European nationality died in the disaster, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you wouldn't take like somebody from France and somebody from Croatia and someone from Italy, yep. but not yep. all the people from those countries on the whole planet. No one would understand me to be saying that, right? Like, so, right. but that's, that's just the thing. So we got to understand that it's like in the language itself, that that's actually there. Uh, we've added extra words like the, that aren't there. Um, it, we're not also thinking about things as, in the collective as much as they would have in Hebrew. There's such a collective sense for so much of this. The singular nouns are very often uh, collective, like even just man, right? Adam, right? As, as mankind. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's just, there's just no contradiction at all. It, it's just saying that there's not a single kind of, uh, field animal that was unaffected by this plague. So it's very broad in its scope. This wasn't just like swine flu and the swine die. It was a very, uh, broad ranging plague. So it was severe. It was heavy in that way. Um, which then sets us up for his heart, being um, like rabies it's an equal opportunity infector (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's right that's right saying that the plague itself was rabies but in terms of the well yeah the reachability that's right but so so then so so it is in that sense a very heavy plague and that's what sets us up then in verse seven because actually it literally says then pharaoh's heart became heavy so, I mean, I think there's just so much stuff going on there that, that we're to be understanding. And this is not at all just like, you know, haphazard, like, oh, they messed up and they moved this around. And originally the, the thing with the boils had happened before and this has been put out of order. It's just, it's just not reading it um, the way it was written. Wow. That's, that's really – that's great, that close reading. And um, it's nice that you uh, – Got your Hebrew down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, so, I mean, it, it shows, though, I mean, the importance of, like, you know, if you if you are going to mess around with the Hebrew, like, you, you got to really be able to, I mean, look at, like, at these differences. Like, it's not, you know, if, if we kind of go and approach the language is like, oh, okay, well, you know, the, the Hebrew word for horse is sus, and, and that, I don't know what, like, is a little bit different, or it came from this other word, or related to that Akkadian word. If, if we're just kind of doing, like, the etymology thing, like, there's, I don't know if we're really actually going to gain that much out uh, of pursuing the language. Like, you got to really be able to look at like the, the word order and the syntax and like what's mm-hmm. what's there. So, um, but so I, I want to maybe talk about this this heavy thing um, a little bit more. But uh, we got a couple questions over email that I want to go ahead and turn to then. So um, let me see here. What's what's a uh, what's it? What's a good one here? Um, you know, I'm going to save these for, for later. They're kind of talking about, I, I think, pride. Um, and, and I think we want to first talk about what the hardening of the heart is, and then and maybe we can get to these questions about pride, which are, which are good. Um, so, so yeah, brother, you'd mentioned the, the hardening of the heart, and there's different words about uh, about this and different ways about, you know, talking about whether it's, it's Pharaoh that hardens his heart or whether it's Pharaoh and his servants who harden their hearts or God hardens his heart. Uh, as I just mentioned, uh, you know, in verse seven, you have this heavy 
uh, plague, and then it says his heart becomes heavy. So what do you what do you making of this these comments uh, up up till now? Well, I, you know, it's it, it reminds me of the way that, quite honestly, the the Pharisees and Sadducees reacted to Jesus. They couldn't deny the power of what he was doing with his miracles of healing, or when he would kind of trap them in his, you know, quoting back to them scriptures and say, "Well, but what do you think about this?" And um, so they couldn't deny um, the power of it or what or the reality of it, but they just they they just didn't like it, and so. Um, you know, even even the demons believe that God is one, and they shudder. Um, so Pharaoh certainly recognizes that that Yahweh has this power. Um, it's not so much that he doesn't uh, believe necessarily in the existence, or I mean, early on he said to Moses, "Who is this Yahweh that I should listen to him?" But um, but but here. Um, you know, he just, he, he, he resents, I think he re- resents and, and, and hates God. Um, and, I, and I think that when we get to the turn in verse 12, where, um, where the Lord hardens his heart, you know, some people look at that and say, well, that's not fair. You know, why isn't God giving him more chances and all this kind of stuff? And I think that um, well, first of all, God has been giving him a lot of chances um, to repent, but I think yeah. that it's important to to recognize, um, you know, like for us, it's like you know you can go so far and persist in sin so far, and then like Scripture will talk about like you know so God gave them over to their desires, like in Romans one, or sure. like the idea that you know if you persist in your wickedness long enough and strong enough, God will let you have your way. And like almost the most damning thing that can happen to sinful, unrepentant humanity is for, for God to let us have what we are insisting on having. It's like, kind of like C.S. Lewis, you know, God is a gentleman and he doesn't force himself on anybody. But, you know, if you absolutely want hell, he will let you have it. And so whereas like for us, like I think verse twelve, it's almost like um, Pharaoh's confirmation day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, we yeah, yeah. But it's, it's what it's we, what he it's what he wants. It's not like he's getting zapped with with mind control. And, and I and I think that that's really important. And I think um, I, I think that when we look at the actual words that are being used, that only confirms what's being said. Because I I, th- I think that in, in you know, brother, you brought up. Um, you know, like the, the Romans passage, for example, and a couple of our, our guest pastors have, have done so as well. And we certainly, you know, we know that we have passages in Scripture that talk about the, uh, I mean, just the, the sovereignty of God and, and um, you know, e- even, you know, God's foreknowledge of all things. And I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, it's all there. Um, but I, I think we don't want to miss just kind of in the straightforward narrative sense, just kind of basic level one, what's just happening in the story. And I think that part of the indication that that we're not getting that is, and this is, again, just paying attention to the details, in English, every time it talks about the heart being hardened, it uses the word but. And I, and I think that's just wrong, basically. It's as if, um, you know, the expected outcome of these these plagues is that, oh, well, 
now Pharaoh should be like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, guys, but he hardens his heart instead, like contrary to our expectation, right? But that's <laughs> that's not actually what it says in Hebrew. The Hebrew form, um, like pretty much every time, I think, actually, um, yeah, it, it's this it's this consequential, and then this happened, and then it follows right. naturally that this happens consequence form, and it's then the Bob consecutive verb form, which yep, can be it, translated in like ten different ways. Well, I think it can only be translated in pretty much. Well, I'll say this. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. There, there are some nuances that you want to do it. But I think that they all are similar in this. Whenever you got the Bob consecutive, it's whatever happens next. Um, it happens sequentially, so not contemporaneously or uh, synchronously, uh, but subsequently. Um, and, and also, um, there is very often a, a logical consequence kind of connection. Mm-hmm. So, so I think there. So that you got you got two different things um, right there in verse twelve. Since we were, were there mentioning it, you have the word. Um, it, it's hazak, hazak, which is strong, become strong. This is where God says, "Be um, strong and courageous." Right to Joshua, same same word here, um, and so which is pretty interesting. Um, but then back there in verse seven, it's it's uh, it's it became heavy. Um, which is actually the same root that's used for like glory, like like right, God's kind of glory, right. even right or right. glorify. Um, same root there. So what's going on with these different roots? Okay, l- let's think think about this. Um, again, these are natural consequences, logical consequences of each of the uh, plagues, and particularly these heavy plagues. That's to say, heavy plagues uh, make Pharaoh heavy <laughs> in his heart. Um, you know, and so what, what, what does it mean, though, to have a, a heavy heart? So when we talk about heavy heart in English, it's like, uh, you know, like grief, something's weighing on me. It's all kind of in terms of de- depression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the Hebrew metaphor. The Hebrew metaphor, and this is actually what you get to in Isaiah uh, chapter 6, that when you talk about something being heavy, the idea is it's slow. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's not really moving too fast. It's sluggish. It's not energetic. It, it can't move. It can't. It, it can't change course. Right? You think of something heavy rolling downhill, and it's got a lot of momentum, and it just it's it's just going to keep going now at this point. Um, uh, so so wh- whether it's kind of I mean kind of whether it's stationary or moving, it's like it's just inertia. It's just it's not changing course at this point. So th- the idea is that. Uh, there is, um, and, and in fact, one of the extended uh, senses then in the Hebrew for this heaviness is um, insensitive, um, like not responsive, consequently, right? So what, what's happening here is that as these, these um, this, this is so fascinating, God doesn't just go and go like, okay, here's a snake, right? And then, uh, you know, here's a hailstorm. Because <laughs> that might have been like, whoa, whoa, okay, okay, hang on, you got my attention, God. What God's doing here is God has put the lobster in the pot, and he is very gradually turning up the heat. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you, and you've heard this analogy before, right, that like apparently, I mean, I don't know if this is true or not, but like it's what people say, that if you do this, right, like you can actually cook the thing and like it won't even like, you know, uh, try to escape or whatever um, because it just doesn't even realize it. So this is, this is him just gradually turning up the volume and he just gets desensitized along the way. This is the plan, as you were saying. The purpose of these, of all these plagues, right, is to actually get him 
um, to the breaking point later, and so that we get the full extent of God's own glory, kavod, that same root, being revealed. So heavy plagues getting heavier and heavier make Pharaoh's heart get heavier and heavier. God is desensitizing Pharaoh. And so mm-hmm. he's getting uh, more and more stubborn, and it's and it's like the the kind of the sunk cost fallacy. There's a good one, right? Sunk cost, sunk because it's heavy. It sinks. Um, like he's like, I've gone too far. <laughs> like, you know, if if I didn't if I didn't like you know stop with the flies, I'm not going to stop now with the livestock plague. And then he's like, well, if I didn't stop with the livestock plague, I'm not going to stop with the boils. And and so it's like he's just he just keeps going, and so it's just getting ramped up. Uh, the the logic of the story is brilliant and it follows naturally. So every time a plague happens, his heart gets hardened. And you can also say that God hardened his heart because didn't God send the plague? Either way, it actually means the same thing. Um, so I don't see like any really like you know contradiction or or kind of like weirdness. I, I think it's actually just a really clear, well told story of God's purpose. It's just mo- it's moving towards the goal, and it's yeah. Yeah. Yep. I when when you were talking about that, I I could not get out of my head this image of Yule with furrowed eyebrows, <laughs> <laughs> the heavy heart. So, sorry, you know the Ten oh. Commandments movie. Oh yeah, anyway. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah, no. Well, part of that is right. Like we've we've had so many movies and like retellings of the story and and songs and everything else that we kind of like all assume that we know how it goes. But like, kind of, do we know? Um, you know what what the logic is in this story? So, um, so getting back to your point earlier. So, how are these things grouped together? Um, it seems to me, actually, the livestock and boils are actually meant to go together. Interesting thing, the the boils in verse 8, there's no there's no command like, oh, go in and have an official audience with Pharaoh, right? It's, it's just kind of you're going to throw this stuff and he's going to see it happen. Uh, so it, to me, it seems like, and, and the th- also the fact that we have the mention of beasts being harmed, it seems like these are just almost, in some ways, kind of two parts of the same um, set of signs and in fact Mm -hmm. if you kind of pay close attention to whether um or not they have an official meeting with pharaoh or whether they're just kind of like using the staff and causing chaos it seems that the snake um, at the beginning and the blood are grouped together the frogs the gnats and the flies are all grouped together and now the livestock and the boils are gathered together so that number four then would be uh the hail which is which is which is pretty interesting, um, you know, in, in part because um, no matter which way you're counting from, if you're counting up or counting down, um, well, I mean, I mean, it's it's actually if you're counting uh, down, uh, day day four, if you're counting back from day seven, right, actually takes us to day uh, three. So we're we're starting to like you know think about uh, the land. And uh, some of the stuff that that's growing on the land, right? Like that's that's the day three stuff. So when we start talking about um, hail and locusts coming and devouring everything, we're like, hmm, that's kind of suggestive. Um, you, you've got th- this four. It's like we're more than halfway through. There's a turning point, and then, like we said, um, you know, God makes this threat that He's ramping things up. So, yeah, I mean, like I think that when you start seeing these things grouped together, it it really is it's starting to become clear okay hang on these these themes are actually super consistent here 
And now, not only is it God trying to desensitize Pharaoh and just get him stuck in his ways, but he's actually kind of convincing everyone else <laughs> that Pharaoh is just kind of stuck and crazy and that they really ought to be listening to Moses. And, and Moses looked like the crazy guy at first, but actually, maybe we should be listening to Moses because isn't that what actually um, is said there by Moses in the, the announcement for the hailstorm? Like, hey, you guys over there, you you servants of Pharaoh, you you should all listen to me. Go ahead, you know, take 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 the the word of the Lord to heart. And some of them did. And some of them did. Uh, and, and so, you know, interesting again, you got heavy hail. It's it is actually the heavy word there again. So, like, is is there like a, a subtle thematic thing going on? You bet. Um, the livestock, um, you know, are mentioned again because, you know, just more and more of them keep getting, uh, wiped out. Um, so there, there is like this continuity, but yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, that, uh, it says there in verse 20, like you were saying, like, Hey, there were people, uh, servants of Pharaoh who actually heeded the voice of God. So the plan is working, <laughs> you know, the plan was that God would reveal himself so that the Egyptians would know right? Mm-hmm. God, that he is God. Well, hey, look, because he's making Pharaoh uh, desensitized, uh, this is what's happening. The Egyptians are actually coming to know Yahweh. It's cool. It's great. So let, let's let's kind of turn to this question here then. So, um, so, so the question was, right, uh, kind of about uh, pride. And, and, and so there's this question of, so, like, how much of the how much of this is like the pride of Pharaoh? Um, you know, is it is it that he's like proud? And actually, I was kind of saying, like, you know, in terms of like kind of sunk cost kind of thing, like, I, I feel like there's a way that pride kind of gets mixed up in de- being desensitized, right? Feeling feeling heavy, like when you think that you are, you know, isn't that interesting that we, when we talk about people being um, like proud or arrogant, we say that they have a swagger, or like, oh, you think mm. you're so big, right? We talk about like they're they're big and heavy, right? So, I mean, so, so there is actually like a little bit of that. But yeah. so the question was actually, do we think that maybe that's going on with Moses at all? That as Moses is, um, you know, being the one who's speaking out against Pharaoh and squaring off against with this, this prideful guy, um, you know, who's acting kind of in the role of God, does, does this actually maybe play into it later on where eventually he like strikes the rock, disre- disregards God, right? He's like, hey, you know, all I need is my staff. I, I did the, the wonders in Egypt. Bam. I mean, is this actually kind of setting him up in some ways for that tragic fall later? Hmm. I never thought about it like that. I mean, I don't think I had God ever either. It's a really good question. <laughs> God is trying to establish the confidence of the people in Moses. At the yeah. end of the, um, the crossing of the Red Sea in chapter 14, it'll say, um, and the people believed in God and in Moses. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so and but I don't know if um I mean I I don't know if 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 we can really say that pride is really Moses' problem in Numbers it says um, you know he was the meekest or the most humble man who ever lived yeah of course he's true. the one that wrote that but <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like well. boasting of his humility but but at the same time um, he definitely has anger issues. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, that goes all the way back to his youth, and I think, I think the striking of the rock is part of his anger issue. Yeah, um, you know, the murder of the Egyptian. The, of course, Acts interprets that a little differently as like, um, you know, he was trying to 
sort of rush the salvation of the Hebrews. But, um, but I, I think that, so I, I, I mean, we're just kind of bouncing yeah. this back and forth, right? But I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that Moses' tragic flaw, if you, is, is not so much pride, but anger. That, that, um, that I think is well said. I mean, like, you know, certainly just the way he goes and he just kills the man, right? And the way that he, uh, it feels like the way it's presented, it's very, like, kind of spontaneous, um, you know? And, and it's like, in, in his reaction of fear afterwards, it's just sort of like, he, it wasn't really well, just well thought out plan or something. Um, it was in the moment. Um, we're going to get to the point where after the, uh, I think it's like with the darkness, that he just, it says he's hot with anger and he storms out. Um, so yeah, there, there's, there's, there's signs of anger. And so, you know, you, you do wonder if, uh, years and years of confronting stubborn people, <laughs> right? like maybe compounds your anger issue. Well, maybe. So I mean, that's actually, it was a really good question. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that either, but I mean, like kind of, so look, taking a step back though, and looking at this, um, you know, a, as a whole, it, it is interesting now. This is the, the final mention of the magicians now. If we group these things together, snake and blood, uh, the magicians duplicate that. The frogs and the gnats, uh, well, they, they duplicate one. They can't the other. Livestock and boils, they're just, like, dumbfounded, and they can't even stand up. So, I mean, this is this is this is uh, another turning point here where uh, Pharaoh's uh, magicians— are are falling down literally his servants are betraying him and they're starting to follow god so everyone around pharaoh is like like kind of taking like a big step to the side you know like okay you keep on doing that pharaoh and pharaoh is getting more and more stubborn as, as he's isolating the enemy um and that's and that's just fascinating and i do think there is a christological type there that you know like you see that with within christ that you know it's christ who seems to isolate uh, the enemies of death, sin, and the devil, so that now the nations are no longer summarily judged with them, but that they may be Amen. freed as well, even as the Egyptians, right, are coming to know the Lord. So, uh, awesome, awesome chapter. No contradictions, just really good story. Thank you so much, brother, for bouncing some ideas around today. God bless uh, your continued worship together out there in Castle Rock. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for being on. Everybody, that was Pastor Chris Mathis at Epiphany Lutheran in Castle Rock, Colorado. Going to look at a psalm, uh, but then we're going to get back into Exodus next week. Everybody, until then, I'm Pastor H.E. Espinosa. Peace. The official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.